Every man. Every man podcast. Corona time, but we doing it every way, every day. Every man. Corona pods. Uh, <laughs> we're we're here. We're healthy. We're happy. And yeah. uh, you'll notice, uh, you know, we're all we're all making sacrifices. We're all making adjustments in this uh, great, great time of confusion and intrigue. And it's funny if you're listening to these episodes out of order. What a what a interesting surprise this is because uh, it would be like if you just woke up and you listen to this first one, you'd be like, "What the fuck is going on?" Well, <laughs> <laughs> you know, in the last couple of weeks, these uh, you know, we've gone from not really uh, taking the I don't want to say not taking it seriously, but just thinking, okay, yeah, whatever, to oh, this is interesting. To well, we're on lockdown and we're not allowed to leave our houses. And, uh, you know, there's no work. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I've basically been um, passing the time by brooding around the house, um, staring out the windows, drinking coffee. Yeah, there you go. Uh, because, I mean, it's like rapid onset. You know, they talk about the cycle of, uh, what is it, the, the cycle of grief, right? Yeah. So it's like you, you your job goes away temporarily. And you're you're depressed, you're angry, you're mad, you're hopeful, you're depressed. But it's like because with everything that's going on, you're just in that. It's like a tornado, right. and it's right. like I'm amplifying it by, you know, drinking a whole pot of coffee, um, <laughs> and then playing playing Doom for three or four hours. Doom Eternal just dropped, so I've been, I'm going. And this game is so fucking hard. I'm yeah. I'm, I'm playing. I'm I'm going through these. It's literally sweating, dude. Bringing into sweat partially from the coffee, partially from from the the grief cycle of anger, and then partially from the intensity of doom. Um, that's basically how I've been spending my first couple days in in solitaire, solitary <laughs> confinement with my with my beautiful fiance and our and our loving dog Rhodes. Uh, been cooking a lot, been grilling yeah. a lot. Um, yep. You know, we're obviously we're not medical professionals. We're not going to give any advice, but. You know, my own personal thing, like at this point, they're telling me I got to stay away from people. Why would I get a cheesesteak at this time? You know what I mean? <laughs> like this idea that it's like a good thing to like, oh, no, no, no. Drive throughs are still good. It's like, OK, a drive through at a, at a again, God bless McDonald's. Big fan of, you know, a, a, a double quarter pounder with Big Mac sauce. That'll get you a Big Mac without that extra bun slice in the middle. And they'll have to make it for you fresh because it's I'm telling you, that's a little Put that feather in your cap for later. But I don't I, – you're taking a risk there on a normal day. Dude, you know what I mean? You, I, I so agree with you on that. I, I just look at it in terms of the numbers, Brother Jay. So, like, okay, we're supposed to keep this social distancing, right, so you don't get it, right? But the drive through is going to be open in an environment to where if you cough or sneeze, the, the coronavirus can travel 10 feet live for 12 hours on any substance that it comes in contact with unless it's like 70 plus degrees which isn't happening right now so it's like okay yeah i want that sandwich and take a risk right so if the girl working the fry (laughs) station queefs 20 feet away you know on my on my popeye's biscuits i'm probably gonna die (laughs) there you go that's it you know what i mean that's it so it's It's amazing it's taken us this long to get get queefing on an episode somewhere but we're in special times so 
You are it's special times, and then I was also thinking this other thing because, as as you well know, but uh, with the the extra time that you have, as 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 do I, your mind starts to go different places, right? So I was literally, and you know, I'm gonna be honest with this because we're all family on the Every Man Podcast. I was right. sitting down taking a number two, man, and I was just thinking about life, and I was just thinking about how long I've been within these walls, and then you know what I said to myself, Justin? I said that you know what I've done in the past all the way up into 2019 that I'm not going to do in 2020 going forward. It just, it just dawned on me. I am not going to let anyone 2020 going forward. Once we come out of these furloughed and bunkered in times, get away with getting out of the bathroom without washing their hands for a substantive amount of time. It's not going to happen. If you think about all of the times where you just went in, you handled your business, you got that one coworker that goes in the stall, does a number two, comes out straight as they're here in the mirror and just runs right out. And you know what you say? You know what? That guy should have washed his hands. And now people are dying because of stuff like that. So you know what? Not anymore, Justin. Not letting it happen. I'm going to... I'm going to just put out a beacon right now and say, hey, listen, if you're going into 2020 not washing your hands for 20 seconds, you're wrong and you're ending lives. So stop that shit right now and make sure that you um, have that a part of your repertoire every time you do a number one or two or anything that we haven't heard of. Listen, I got a zero tall policy on uh, the no washing of hands anymore. So going forward, wash those hands, uh, keep them clean. And I'll tell, let me ask you something, Daryl. Before I forget, when you were taking that dump, uh, did you did you happen to use a booty wipe afterwards? Of course I did. You you know the B dubs are there all the way. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't just use one. You know we've talked about this before. Uh, you got to go through uh, a couple. We, we've talked. You, you gotta you gotta line up. You know a platelet of uh, B dubs, especially and, for all the the, the the baggage I'm carrying down there. So. And I, and I'm sure I'm sure you're running low on your on your booty wipe supply because I, I haven't seen you. Um, but if you are running low on your booty wipe supply, go on Amazon, add some booty wipes to your cart and use promo code Everyman at checkout. Save yourself uh, 15% off your first order um, and shop bootywipes.com so you can get that uh, sweet, sweet, clean booty goodness. Uh, and there's never been, <laughs> never been a time uh, like now. Never been a time. Never been a time never like now. Time. And uh, if you think that the coronavirus is going to stop us from uh, helping you save money on booty wipes, you're wrong you're just dead wrong about that um yeah so you know i'm glad we got that out of the way um you know the 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 psa about washing the hands um in all seriousness we we talk about togetherness and shining light all the time okay Mm -hmm. and we talk about having this positive attitude and positive outlook on things and this time is no different and yeah i might be a little um i don't know i want to say salty I'm a little spiky because yeah. I feel like I, I want to work. Um, I know uh, a lot of my coworkers want to work. I know people yeah. listening to this want to work. We're mm-hmm. all we're all proud of what we do. We're proud uh, to be able to provide for our families, and that uh, American will to work and will to do is what's gonna get us through this. Um, so it's okay to be scared. It's okay to be a little angry. Um, just now more than ever, you know, shine that light, pick up the phone, call that, call that friend of yours you've been thinking about, uh, Mm -hmm. that that you haven't had the chance to give them some of that every man, every woman light and, and just, just hang in there. You know, we're, we say it all the time, you know, near 60 episodes deep. We're all in this together. 
we are all in this together right yeah, now at this moment in time everyone not only in in the state of, of the commonwealth of pennsylvania but this 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 wonderful country but the the whole world is in this together and the the way we're going to make it through and the way we're going to make it out is is effective communication positivity looking out for your fellow man and and just being uh being that true every man that uh or every woman that that we know we all are we we talk about it you know often on the podcast we it's 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 almost a mantra for us and it's it's all about that cosmic canoe and this thing extends a long way not just for the people that um, you know we've had on this podcast but the people that we have yet to have on this podcast so you're absolutely right brother jay we are all in this thing together and um it's it's all about projecting forward in a positive way in a positive light you know so you can be you know that change that you're willing to see in the world that's right brother and you know today we have an awesome interview uh, with Super Bowl champion, uh, former NFL player, one of your teammates at Notre Dame, uh, mm-hmm. Mr. Ryan Harris, and uh, Ryan is a he's a motivational speaker. He's a he's a uh, financial literate literary. He's not a financial <laughs> literate. He's a financial literacy uh, expert, and um, he shares some awesome stories with us. Not only about his time playing with Daryl at Notre Dame. Uh, seeing Daryl in his Pikachu pants, which sounds uh, terrific <laughs> and uh, also terrifying at the same time. Um, yeah. Playing with Peyton Manning, playing with Ben Roethlisberger, uh, you know, being under these great coaches and great leaders and champions and leaders of men. Um, it's it really got me fired up, uh, got me uh, back on that positive uh, positive vibe, and uh, you know, I, I hope you enjoy it and. Daryl and I have been making uh, some moves in the background to try and, you know, we're, we're going to try and have our podcast. We're obviously going to be remote. Uh, so you're going to, you're going to hear some differences in the sound quality than normal. We ask that you just yeah. continue to stick with that till we get these, these little uh, details ironed out. Uh, but, you know, Super Bowl 50 champion today, Ryan Harris, you know, uh, our friend Mike Mangini is coming up to uh, soon and, uh, you know, probably um, in the next week. And uh, we got a lot of a lot of cool podcasts uh, coming up. So so obviously we're all in this together. Like I said, sit back, go through the archives, enjoy a good pod. Shoot us an email if you need somebody to talk to. And uh, you know, with that being said, Big Bro, I think we should kick it to our interview with uh, Super Bowl Fifty champion Ryan Harris. What do you say? I say uh, I second that motion and stay safe and God bless. God bless. Joining us today on the Everyman Podcast is former NFL right tackle Ryan Harris. After his career playing as a four-year starter at the University of Notre Dame, Harris was drafted by the Denver Broncos as a third-round pick in 2007. Harris went on to have a 10-year career in the NFL, most notably with the Denver Broncos, where he earned the distinction of Super Bowl 50 champion. In 2016, Ryan wrapped up his career with my favorite team, the Pittsburgh Steelers. After retiring from the NFL, Harris has gone on to become a show director, an author, a motivational speaker, ladies and gentlemen, a true everyman, Mr. Ryan Harris. Ryan, how you doing, brother? Good, Justin, and and I'm honored to be here. You don't know this, but uh, DC has been a, a leader to me for many, many years. The first time I saw him, the largest, most ripped man I'd ever seen in Pokemon <laughs> pajama pants in training camp at Notre Dame. So it's got to be. Conf- I knew right. 
then, you know, he was a leader in many ways and including leading himself to not care what others thought about. And, and DC, it's an honor to join you, my friend. And it's always an honor. The pleasure's all mine. I'm, I'm so I'm so proud of you, Ryan. Everything you've done, not only with your uh, career, but uh, everything afterwards, uh, from motivational speaking to financial literacy, man, just you've been um, – You've been the, the, the barometer that I think a lot of these young players should follow and, and look up to uh, just how you uh, navigate and have navigated your professional professional career. Thank you, sir. It's what we do at Notre Dame. <laughs> yeah, man. That's right. Yeah, the, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to be uh, you know surrounded here by these Notre Dame men. So, uh, you know, obviously before we get into to, uh, to the whole story here, we're obviously uh, we're all, you know, kind of on lockdown here uh, hanging out doing our thing and uh you know looking to to keep the podcast going keep that every man's spirit alive so ryan one of my favorite things about having you know guests that play with daryl on on the podcast is i like to kind of hear how insane he was as an athlete on the field or these ridiculous feats of strength so far you know i've heard from from guys he's played you know up against on the offensive line uh what it was like to kind of manage and deal with him because i just know the the tenacity that he brings uh you know to to the podcasting game with me and just anything we get involved in we take it uh you know i I text him the other day i said hey bro anybody we've been trying to get on the podcast let's 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 reach out next thing i know 20 minutes later he's got you know 14 names you know lined up in bios and he's a real go-getter so so what was it like the first the first time you know uh getting your hands on daryl as a, as a football player what was that like well thankfully i one i couldn't justin this <laughs> dude was a wrecking ball but you know one of the things um you know, DC, he, 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 t- he taught you that it's not just the size. It's also what you do with it. And I remember one of the, fir- one of the first times I was put in um, to the, with the ones, it was, it was going into week four. We were heading to Pittsburgh, DC. And I remember we were going against the D-line, but it, in training camp, we were going against the D-line. And the, the loudest yelling I've ever heard. And it wasn't like, I'm going to rip your head off. It was like, I backs left, left, left. It's like the urgency that DC played with was nothing compared to what I had heard or been around. And that's why sometimes you'll see an offensive lineman jump for no reason. Cause that intensity, those defensive linemen bring really can get you out of your seat. Hey, Oh, uh, you know, so there, and then, at the, and then again, you would see him at lunch and he'd have like four hot dogs and three <laughs> hamburgers and, and he'd be just sitting there and happy to talk to you if you want to talk, but the nicest guy off the field. So I learned so much from DC one, you know, what a phys- what your body should look like. Right. Number one, but then two, what do you do with it? And that's something where, whether it's in life or football, every man can relate to the fact of having a talent and skill, but that not being enough. And when you've got somebody like DC teaching you how to communicate at a high level, what's important and how to handle your, your craft. And while off the field being a different person, that, that was a lasting impact on my life. You know, we, we talk a lot about a common theme with, with, uh, with guests that have been, that have been and are continuing to be successful is this idea of mentorship. And, and sometimes a mentor can be, you know, a coach, uh, a teacher, mm-hmm. a, a, you know, somebody, a religious figure, but often, uh, more often than not, it can be somebody you're in the trenches with who's maybe got a, a experience from a different system, uh, that they can bring to it. And it's, it's, uh, it's really cool that you, you know, right away, I'm, I'm guessing you, you snapped in and, and got in his track. Yeah, you know, one piece about the mentorship that you mentioned, you've got to be willing. 
right as so, as a mentee right i mean oh yeah i had so many teammates one you know the year we won super bowl 50 we had a practice squad guy he's a good kid he just didn't really know how to work hard enough so i said hey man i want you to come out with me because myself and peyton we'd be always one of the first either one of us would be one of the first ones on the field and here we are you know i was a nine-year veteran at the time peyton i don't know a 30-year veteran in the nfl right and we're the first ones on the field so i told him hey come out and work with me we're gonna do some footwork we're gonna warm up the hips so he did that for a week, and sure enough, they cut the other practice squad tackle, and they told this man, they said, hey, I want you to know we've been seeing you working with Ryan, and we just love your work ethic. And would you know, he didn't join me one other time the rest of that season, and he never played in the NFL again. So part of being a mentee and having a mentor is being willing to learn and ask questions. I mean, all of us, all three of us here, somebody could ask us a question, and that, and that, and that lets you know what they're thinking and it shows a willingness on their part to one be wrong and two admit that they don't have full knowledge. And those are important steps in becoming successful in whatever it is you choose. Wow. I mean, it's like they say, you can, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make a drink. You know, some, some people, uh, you know, they wouldn't know a gift if it, uh, is, is handwritten and uh, put in their hands. Right. Yeah. Sometimes man. And, and there's nothing you can do for those people too. I mean, that's right. a part of it as well. That's something I also learned from D.C. You ain't got to care about your opponent's feelings now. And if you don't want to work, <laughs> I don't care. I don't care about your problems. I don't care about what you want to do because I, I've seen when the rubber meets the road, you ain't got no tires. So, you know, to me, you've, you've got to be able to, to do the work necessary and not care for, for people who are, who are not going to be a part of that journey. And, and, and all three of us could tell you times, I, mean, I had 220 requests for tickets to Super Bowl 50. How many of those same people you think yeah, were you right grinding now. with me? Yeah, they're calling me right now, one. Or two, <laughs> when I was in the NFL, but not with the Broncos, even talked to me, you mm -hmm. know? So, uh, I mean, I literally at one point had three friends and my two trainers, and that was it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So... Um, but, but you, you gotta be able to, to work hard and, and be a mentor and, and be a mentee and also, you know, leave those behind who aren't a part of the solution. Yeah. It's like yeah. you get to a point of no return. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Daryl. No, no, no. I, 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 I echo that, uh, that statement that uh, Ryan made. Um, also want to just, you know, make it, uh, plain as day, how important it is for you to, like you said, be willing, but you, you, that, that's, that's a, that's a double-edged sword. It, it takes a great deal of courage. It takes a great deal of trust in the process. It takes a great deal of, uh, of yourself to go out of your way to make, you know, um, I should say inroads to you to receive mm -hmm. that knowledge. So for you to be out there and, and, and that's another thing too. And I don't want to, I don't want to just glance over this for you to be in the league nine years and still be one of the first people going on the field. And one of the last people going off. I mean, uh, uh, one of the, one of my, um, we had uh, we had uh, Tank Johnson on the, uh, on the mm -hmm. show uh, a while back. We had um, I'm trying to get my brother Tommy Harris on the show here here in a second, but um, he told me one of the, one of the uh, the greatest things I've ever heard was you know you have to um, you have to you, before you can leave you have to serve and yeah. you've put in your time you've you've put in your servitude you've you've gone above and beyond the call of duty not just for you know um the guys that are in the ones the guys that are in twos you, you've 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 reached out to those that are at the bottom of the barrel and say hey listen there's an opportunity for you to come out here and work with me and i'm willing to sh share my knowledge with you to make you not only just a better person but a better man and i think yeah. that speaks volumes about you ryan is it wasn't just 
about the football aptitude. It wasn't just about the technique. It was it was about the whole man that you you paid into. And I think that's uh, one of those things that's a stalwart quality that you've always possessed in, uh, to the, to this day. Well, I appreciate that, and and I'm I'm the beneficiary of other men and women like that in my life, you know, and. And the big thing for me is, and it got increasingly, in my 10-year career in the NFL, it got increasingly difficult to see young players waste an opportunity, to get calls about buying back a used Mercedes or buying back a a Porsche or buying back. I I had one teammate call me, hey, man, you want to buy this, you know, this Louis Vuitton backpack I I got, you know, and it was going to offer it to me for $3,000. And it's like, dude. You know, those stories just started adding up so much. And and, I, and one of the things I love about speaking and broadcasting, I want people to succeed. When you win the Super Bowl, everything you believe about yourself comes true for other people. And I want you to have that moment in your life, whether you're in sales, marketing, a relationship, right? And you hit one word, DC, courage. We don't talk about the word courage enough. Can you be courageous to say, hey, this bothers me? Can you be courageous to ask a question? One of the things I learned in the NFL, you got to ask questions. Great leaders ask questions. Hey, Manning asked five questions in a 10-minute meeting because he wants not only for himself to be sure about it, but he'd ask something like, hey, uh, Coach, DC is going to be open there against cover two, right? Yep. And then, and then we got Justin open against man. Yep. Okay, well, now both of you are engaged as well. You've got to ask questions. you got to push. And that's part of that whole man piece you're talking about. Wow. I, I think, I think that um... – what you're saying here about that, you know, questions coming from leadership, um, that's something you see everywhere, you know, in, in the in the recording studio, right, writing music like we've seen uh, with some of our guests or, or being on the road. I mean, if you're not if the person who's behind the wheel, you know, like the team captain, somebody who like, let's use Peyton Manning, for example. Now, I'm only just going off of what, you know, as a fan of what I see and just from talking to you, but. The, the perception is he's the ultimate leader and the reality from what I'm hearing from you is that he is in fact he's he's that level of leader and that's what it takes to have championship caliber results whether you're a business whether you're a band or you know a podcast it's you know yeah. is everybody engaged on the same level to where the 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 team captain the, the star of the show is pulling up the the last guy on the practice squad and saying hey work with me come like if if i'm eating then you can eat too like we can do this together that's um i i think you know in sports there's there's daryl and i talk about this a lot offline this idea that the nfl player has been kind of uh analogized with like a gladiator so yeah. everything's this big war analogy and they're going to battle, they're doing this, they're doing that. And it almost removes the, the idea that you could even talk about the, oh, no, these guys need to have unity and, and courage and togetherness and all that stuff. Like they want to use the, those kind of analogies, but then we kind of push these things off to the side. And, you know, on the, on the financial piece, like what you're saying, and it's, it's – um, I mean, that'll never change, like you're saying. Like, there's going to be a certain amount of people that, you know, they're not going to be willing to, you know, do it the sensible way, I guess. Yeah, well, and the sensible way is hard, right? I mean, you get people from all different way, way, you know, ways of life. I mean, you're, you're in Pittsburgh. Ben Roethlisberger is an excellent leader. I mean, just communicated so clearly, you know, on the field and, and the expectation of excellence was always there. And especially when you talk about financial literacy, it's just not there. You know, 
It's just where, where are we taught how to invest? Where are we taught that the bank does not have our best interests at heart? I learned that when I went to the bank and said, how, what kind of a house can I afford? And they said, well, you can afford a $1.3 million house. I only got paid $285,000 a year before. Right. But they were telling me I could get a hundred one, you know, $1.5 million house. I was single, no kids, no, you know, I have one dog. I need no house. That was $1.5 million. And it wasn't until my, you know, mentor lawyer, I call him my conciliary. I'm telling him, I'm thinking about getting a $700,000 house, five bedrooms. He's like, wow, man, you really seem happy here in this two bedroom apartment. And I kid you not DC and Jason, I said to him, I'm sorry, Justin, I said to him, do you think I can get a smaller house? And he's like, <laughs> yeah. But how did I know? You know, right. I mean, I, I learned how to invest by putting 500 bucks into a Scott trade account and buying what I know. I literally bought McDonald's, Google, Apple, and Chipotle. And uh, we just don't, we don't get the opportunity enough to learn and, and to really learn the things that are going to make us better people and, and solidify our dreams. Like you said, man, I mean, you know, we're in some challenging times and, you know, everything changed, uh, you know, for me, everything changed for uh, so many of the guests we've had on our show, uh, I've been getting text messages uh, and reaching out to you know some of our our, our friends here at the show, and it's uh, I mean the the light, the touring industry, everything it's it's uh, on hold, and everybody's you know hunkering down, and and you know now more than ever that community is important. You know it's it's uh, yeah. It's buck wild. I like to do a little research. So, you know, I'm digging into, uh, you know, the Google, digging up the Wikipedia and stuff. And before uh, I get into Notre Dame stuff, on Wikipedia, it says you were on an MTV uh, reality show, a show that I really enjoyed back in the day. Um, MTV True Life, I Want the Perfect Body. What can you tell me about your experience on uh, MTV True Life, I Want the Perfect Body? I think DC could tell you a little more about my experience, uh, you know, than I could, but you know, um, I'll never forget it. It taught me a great lesson, which is that people will recognize you before you recognize them. And that is a lesson that every person needs to know, especially if you want to be successful. But I mean, it was one of the shortest phone calls of, of my career, uh, that show MTV true life, shout out to Pat Lope, the producer. Um, but DC, you remember, and I, I'm sure it's different now, but what used to happen is, my high school coach would walk by one of my classes and say, hey, Ryan, Michigan called. They want you to call him back. Hey, Ryan, Notre Dame called. They want you to call him back. And um, one day my coach came in and said, hey, uh, MTV called. They want you to call him back. I was like, what? <laughs> and this is back in the day when people still watched MTV. Right, that was, so was a like, big well, maybe, deal. Yeah, I was like, maybe MTV Sports is doing a high school list. I don't know. So I got on the phone. And um, Pat picked up. He's like, hey, this is Pat Lowe from MTV. I'm like, hey, yep, it's Ryan Harris. Give you a call. He goes, yeah, hey, I'm a big Notre Dame fan. I see you've got to gain weight. I was 265 pounds my senior year. So I see you got to play, gain weight to play at Notre Dame. I'm um, doing a show on positive weight gain. You think I could follow you through the summer and, and you know, record you for a show called True Life? It's like, uh, yeah. And he's like, all right, I'll call you back, give you a couple dates, and I'll come film you. Great and hung up the phone and he came to you know one day of workouts and one day of the end of school and then I didn't really think much of it until I was going on the um, escalator underpass at O'Hare to get to Notre Dame and this girl was coming the other way with her mom she's like oh my god you were on MTV last night and I was like oh shit <laughs> I was like my whole team just saw that and sure enough when I got to the veterans at Notre Dame oh, I bet. the first thing they said they were like where's that MTV bitch where is he like, oh, dog. Uh, but that then, MTV you know, bitch 
Yeah, but then those same cats, because at, at in football you get to campus about three weeks earlier than everybody. Well, two weeks later, the ladies on campus showed up. They I was going to say. Question. Where's say. my where's that MTV kid? And everybody's <laughs> like, let me introduce you to my friend Ryan. I'm like, right. oh, okay, all right, you yep. know. But um, you know, it was something small. It was something I didn't know would be big, but uh, it taught me a lot, and uh, and it toughened my skin up for sure because. I didn't come to Notre Dame to be on MTV. You know, I came here to kick ass and take names. You know, in fact, forget your name. I don't even want it. I'm stomping through here. I'm getting my degrees and I'm going to get money one way or another. And uh, so it really helped me hunker in early as well. That's funny, man, because, you know, I kind of have like a, I have a, I have a weird memory where I can, I can kind of connect certain weird things. And uh, when I'm looking through your Wikipedia and I see that, I remember I used to watch that show. I used to watch MTV all the time, but I'm a, I'm a huge pro wrestling fan. And there's a famous, like not famous, I guess famous in the pro wrestling world. There's an episode of that. That's, that's hard, makes everybody involved look ridiculous uh, for pro wrestling. And I remembered seeing the, the, there was a guy on there that was kind of, a lunatic. I don't want to say a lunatic. He was kind of. He was a very eccentric dude. Uh, there was like one of the other guys in that episode, and I remembered it. And, and seeing you pop up there, I thought that was pretty funny because I knew exactly the episode, and I remember, <laughs> I, I remember the whole thing. So it's a you know, uh, not only a Super Bowl Fifty champion, but uh, you know, alumni of uh, MTV True Life. It's it's uh, the pleasure is ours, my friend. It's great. Hey man, you, you know, got to got to do one thing though. One thing. Ryan, I, I I gotta say something because I remember when that whole thing was happening with you, dude. Yeah. You handled that thing with a great deal of class and professionalism, even even when you were going through it. Because you know, make no mistake, having that type of exposure during that time as big as MTV was, and then yeah. you know, Notre Dame, you know what that was like. I mean, there was there was a bunch of hustle and bustle in the locker room. There was a bunch of hustle and bustle on the field, but you know what? I love that last part you said that you came to kick ass and take names, and that's exactly what you did. Still out there sliding, blocking people, and letting people know who the hell you were. And that was big because, you know, the veterans, they looked up to that stuff and they said, you know what, we got a young guy out here that's being exposed in, 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 in a crazy way with MTV, but you know what, he's still out here and he's a dog getting it, man. That was well, and that's what, well, thank you. And that's one of the things that, you know, all of us respect. And, and it's something I say on my radio show, you know, does this player care about the fame or the game? And, and coming in with fame to a place where at Notre Dame, everybody who's there is famous, right? Like DC was famous. Brady Quinn was famous. You know, I mean, everybody had fame, but I wasn't there for fame. I wanted the game. I wanted everything football had. I wanted to get the, the, you know, every ounce I could out of that football. And, uh, and so I had to prove early on, Hey man, it ain't about MTV. It's about the work we do together. And I'm here for all of it. That's a great attitude, man, and that's I mean that's, that's why you uh, had the career that you've had. So, you know, c- kicking it back to football here, I alluded to this earlier. You've you've had the opportunity to play with some amazing leaders, and you know, one of the things that I'm interested in is I like to dissect these kind of people, whether it's like somebody like Vince McMahon or you know the the any of these great titans of industry or you know Steve Jobs types, but just also athletes because I find. Uh, that the one percenters, um, they have a lot of shared characteristics with kind of uh, with each other. They just all could be good at whatever they were doing. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of like Daryl. Like I think if Daryl decided tomorrow that he's going to be a keyboard uh, player and, and uh, he wanted to get into the synth game, I, he'd probably be the the hottest EDM producer on the block by uh, next weekend. So uh, that's just <laughs> <laughs> that's just something you Notre Dame guys are all about. But. Um, <laughs> what what <laughs> you you came into the league with Denver prior to Peyton Manning being there? Then you you, you spent some time in Houston, K 
Kansas City, yep. and, and then you come back uh, to Denver, and it's like a totally different deal. John Elway's, you know, I guess his title is vice president of football operations at the time, right? He's he's kind of yeah. come back to run the show, and it was I remember, you know, before, you know, obviously Peyton had that neck injury. And he leaves Indianapolis. It was all everything in that time period just to set the stage for some of our younger listeners that may not kind of know the history there. So there was a lot of buzz about that Denver team even before because because of what was going on. So and you kind of came into that. What was it like coming into a team that kind of had these like expectations of like, no, there's. Like, because everybody, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they, they always say, like, you know, every year Tom, Coach Tomlin's like, we got one goal. We got one goal. And you believe Tomlin's that. Like, I believe yeah. oh, I believe Coach T. And we're going to talk about Coach Tomlin in a minute because I have the utmost amount yeah. of respect for that man right there. Um, what was it like coming into that team atmosphere? Like I said, there's expectations. Not only that, you're you're a veteran at this point. You're coming in on a, on a nice contract. What was that like? And what was your kind of first interaction with Peyton Manning like? Yeah, well, you know, this is a great question, Justin. I'm glad you asked. I've actually never been asked this because your question of what do you do when you join something with that expectations immediately raise them. I came in and I was, uh, uh, you know, one of the things you'll love, we'll talk about Mike Tomlin later. He says, you want to be a dick, I'll join you. Well, I came in saying, <laughs> you better join me because I'm a dick. I don't care. Whatever expectations you thought we had, we're going higher than that because that's other people's expectations. So right away, and they kind of told me, you know, one of the reasons they brought me back, yeah, and they said, hey, Ryan, you know, we know you played started 15 games last year for the Chiefs, and uh, we don't have anybody on our offensive line who will stand up and fight anybody. So right away I knew that they were coming in, the defense was trying to just dog out the offensive line. And D.C., if he's being honest, will tell you how they do that. The extra pushes after play. <laughs> oh, he's the, told me some trade secrets. Yeah. Just, the, just the sniping around of a pile. And, and so oh, yeah. it was early in training camp. I'm talking like the third practice in pads. And one of them cats pushed me in the shoulder after a play. I said, hey, dog, that's it. Next play trucked his ass hey and we're fighting right there i don't even care and then he comes over you know and and peyton had to step in between us hey go stand over there stand over here but that was a moment where peyton's like hey listen that's not gonna go we're not gonna be fighting each other on the sidelines between the plays i had another cat dcu laugh at this and he's still playing the league today and i love him these are all my brothers but the point is is that i had to make sure as a veteran who the window was closing hey you guys we think we're gonna go to the super bowl we better get to a place where we believe we're going to win the Super Bowl before this season starts. And it starts right now testing each other. Man, I had a linebacker, Todd Davis, still playing for the Broncos today. This dude wore a mouth guard in a walkthrough and was trying to be tough in a walkthrough. So I said, all right, I'm going to come get your ass tomorrow. (laughs) And sure enough, they had a wide screen right, tight end screen right, one of my favorite plays behind the right tackle, and I trucked his ass and put him in the dirt. (laughs) So whatever mouth guard you want to wear and walk through, you better bring it with you right now because I want to take it from you. Now, that's a different attitude. And it's so crazy. No one's asked me that question, Justin, because people think, hey, I'm on Peyton Manning's team. I'm on Ben Roethlisberger's team. But I can tell you from playing with both of them, the one thing they had respected for me was that I came in and it wasn't about being on their team. It was about we what we needed to do as a team. And I was here to elevate in every way, shape, or form. Well, it's funny you, you say that, that, like, the – 
the thing about Tomlin, you want to be a dick, I'll join you. Like, that's kind of the attitude I have, uh, for better or worse, a lot of times, uh, you know, with, with my band, at, you know, when we were doing that and with, with uh, in regards to what we're doing with the podcast in the sense that, you know, it's like you got to do what you got to do to get the job done. And yeah. I, I think that's, I think that's, mm-hmm. a, and we'll talk about Ben because that's another, that's another whole other passionate uh, thing I have about uh, the, the uh, perception of Ben Roethlisberger. But, you know, when you come into Peyton, like Peyton Manning, I would assume is not looking for, oh, hey, uh, I'm going to go do this hard work. I got an extra seat. Come on in, Ryan. Like, it's like, how are you, what are you doing to push this fucking minivan forward? Or, you know, like, are we all going to Disney World or not? And uh, I just think that that's sometimes that, in, that it, that intensity of of the stakes in the NFL is lost in translation with with the way that the game is presented in most areas. And, and maybe maybe not everybody's interested in that in that part of it. But to me, that would be I mean that's the ultimate drama, you know, behind the scenes is is all this kind of yeah this this stuff playing out. Well, and Peyton was the first person to come up, you know, and I just signed my deal coming back. Peyton was the first one to say, hey, Ryan, welcome back, man. Can't wait to get started with you. But but we had to that season, and often you have to play without your best players in the NFL. And so it can't just be about that guy. And we see those teams every year where, you know, that guy is their dude, you know, whether it's Tom Brady or Drew Brees. And, and fortunately, Teddy Bridgewater came in last season, won five games, right? But – I mean, we had to play seven games without Peyton Manning. So as great as he was, we had better be a good enough team to win without him. And at the end of the day, the reason we won Super Bowl 50 is we were the best team I had ever been a part of. No one was more important than the team. And everyone wanted the team to win, if even if that person wasn't on the field. What, what was that like? Did you know, like, at what point in that season did you know that you're headed, that you're in a certain vibe or groove like did you feel it did it at a certain point did it become obvious that that's where you were headed well two points early um one we were in kansas city down 14 going to the fourth quarter came back and won the game on a last second fumble and i remember being in the huddle down 14 points in the loudest one of the loudest stadiums in the nfl arrowhead and these fans are going nuts you know the chiefs and alex smith are going to beat to, you know, Peyton Manning and at home, and this is the only chance we got to beat him here this season. And Peyton got in the huddle and was drawn up. And, and just the way he was speaking, there was nothing in his mind that lent way to losing that game. Everything in the – every word he said had the intensity of winning down 14 on the road against a divisional opponent in the fourth quarter. And then later on that season, we had the, the Green Bay Packers come. And this is when you're talking about – primetime Aaron Rodgers. He had 69 passing yards. We beat the shit out of the Packers, and that just didn't happen. So those two points was like, oh, this is real, and here we go. And you know what? We're all ready for it because we'll be in at 7 a.m. the next day looking at the film. What's what's Peyton like in the huddle? Is he, is he kind of go with the game, or is he always kind of baseline? You know, it's interesting. He's thinking about – you could tell he's thinking about the play as he's saying it. He's very calm and measured, and, and, and also he'll say things, you know, he'll say things that matter not in a play but in a game. And a perfect example, the first play at Super Bowl 50, we all get into the huddle after Lady Gaga sings, and we're all in there, and Peyton's mostly business. You know, we, we knew what play we were going to run, 
And he comes in the huddle and goes, hey, guys, listen, breathe. Okay, breathe. And you could just hear the 10 other players in the huddle just, <gasps> you know, like everybody had forgotten to breathe. And he's like, breathe, know your assignment, and compete your fucking ass off. Here we go. And then he called the play. And it's like that was so needed in that moment. Yeah. Who Who's ready to – Who? what are the things you need to do? Hey, man, make sure you're breathing in performance. Make sure you know your assignment and then just compete your ass off. Just compete. And we did that and we won. So, you know, he's been there. And, and also, one, you know, the first time he called a timeout in our first game, he was cussing me out because I didn't pass the, the audible to the tight end next to me. He's going, wide 80, easy, alert, alert, alert. Omaha, timeout, 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 timeout. Damn it, Ryan, tell him to play. I mean, here he is in the red zone, and he's changing the play, and he sees that one player didn't pass a play on to the other. I mean, that's how involved he was in the game, in the game. Wow, it's like he, I mean, they, he really is like having a coach on the field. Oh, 100%. Got to have that. That's Got to have that. So, so when you're on that run, you're, you're storming through the playoffs. You win the game. You get your hands on that trophy. What was that like in that moment? Oh, man, you're going to make me cry in front of D.C., man. I've been waiting time my whole <laughs> life not to cry. But, you know, you know, it's funny. The first person to actually touch it in my family was my younger brother, who's 16 years younger than me. And um, and and it was funny because the night before the Super Bowl, I'm big individualization. And really, your favorite athletes are, too. Uh, the Steelers do big game. Big, they, they do a big game music before every playoff game where you sit in a room that, and Tomlin turns off the lights and everybody imagines what they're going to do the next day in the game. And so the night before the Super Bowl, I was thinking about holding that trophy. It was a goal I'd written down. And for whatever reason, I could only see it from the bottom up. And fast forward the next night, less than 24 hours later, here's Peyton Manning handing me down this Lombardi trophy, and I'm seeing it from the bottom up. And so there was this moment of just – I'm here, but also I created this moment and I'm happy for this moment. And I passed the, the, uh, the Lombardi trophy to my father who, who taught me football, who had an NFL football in the house, you know, just the, just the regular size NFL football in the house and, uh, and, and passed it to then to my mother and my wife and my sister. And then I gave it to DeMarcus Ware. So it was just this moment of like, what the fuck is happening? And, I knew it was going to happen. I've seen it happen. And it was a powerful, powerful moment in my life. That's uh, I'm getting goosebumps. Just listening to that, man. That's yeah, man. That's amazing. That's why you play the game. That's amazing. That's why we all love the game. You know, mm-hmm. thank you for sharing that. That's, that's really awesome. Um, so on to my Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> just like a Notre Dame person will tell you they went to Notre Dame in the first five minutes a Steelers fan will let you know in the first five minutes that's right that's oh, right so know, yeah my know. you know it's funny my my uh my family's from Pittsburgh and and you know my dad uh you know my dad was at the the AFC divisional game when you know Frank he was at the Immaculate Reception like he saw he grew up seeing all that stuff and the Steelers is kind of one of those things that just gets uh handed to you like a birthright so uh yeah. I've always been a passionate fan and you know, um, after you kind of wound up uh, with with the Denver Broncos, you win your championship. Uh, you, you ended up uh, heading to Pittsburgh, and I remember uh, being excited seeing seeing somebody with your 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 caliber, and you just come off that great run. Um, but the Steelers, uh, just again historically, so the Steelers have have kind of had their ups and downs with their offensive line over the the last uh, years. You know, under the Bill Cowher era, they had some you know Alan Fanica and and uh, Jeff Harding's at center, all, you know, all stars th- there. And then, 
you know, Marvell Smith and stuff like that. And then those guys kind of left. And then there was a, there was a, a really tough era there for the Steelers where Ben was just getting his ass destroyed uh, for like years. And it was partially due to his, his style of play and then partially just due to their, their struggle. And then Mike Munchak comes in, uh, you know, NFL Hall of Famer, um, just totally – he's one of those guys, again, that's just kind of hallowed uh, and revered in the NFL. And he, he's part of that team with Tomlin to get, get the offensive line together. And then, you know, obviously David DeCastro comes in. Uh, you got Marquise Pouncey is already there. Uh, Ramon Foster, who I've got an immense amount of respect for that man. So you came in, again, to a team that's got a quarterback that's a veteran-proven leader, a Super Bowl-winning guy, Super Bowl-winning coach. All the players are there. Um, and, again, it's a franchise that's always looking to win. So was your approach coming to the Steelers after winning the chip, was that was that different because now you're like – are you still are you still that hungry when you got to Pittsburgh? Are you are you feeling more like a laid back veteran? Like what was your what was that last last run like for you? Man, I you know the biggest thing I wanted to do I needed to listen. So I remember coming to to OTAs and just listening. You know I had to I, and and you know I remember one early on Munchak's going over a meeting and 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 you know he's like hey guy you know the young the older guys can leave. Well I had just gotten there. So I'm not going to leave. You're giving away valuable information. You know, it's repetition. I want to learn about this. I want to ask this question around cats who, who aren't smart enough or aren't motivated enough to ask the answer, ask these questions. So that when I am with these vets, I know the cause. I know what's going on. I know what we're trying to do. And I remember at one point, Mike Tomlin reached his head and he said, right, you're too old to be in here. <laughs> Say, hey, you ain't never too old to learn coach, you know? And, but that was part of the reason why they brought me in. My, my biggest thing too I mean, Marquise Pouncey is by far one of the best athletes I ever played with. Incredible player and person. Uh, you mentioned Ramon Foster. I love that man. He is just – he's the most underrated guard to play just since Alan Fanica, you know, and and, and I was the, one of the first – couldn't text him fast enough, and we got a great group thread. Um, Alejandro Villanueva, the oh, smartest person I've ever out. played with. David DeCastro, one of the best players I've ever played with as well. But all of those guys didn't know what it was like to win a Super Bowl. So Ben and I had, you know, good conversations about, you know, hey, you know, playing the Super Bowl and laughing and stuff. But my big thing was te- was teaching these guys what doesn't matter. You know what doesn't matter? Who's coming to, to the game? I used to have family who wanted to come to a game. You're coming in on Saturday after I go to the team hotel. It's not my job to make sure – you have a good time. You know what doesn't matter? A girlfriend or a wife that doesn't understand you're going to training camp and you're fighting for your job. You know what doesn't matter? Taking photos and and Instagrams and posting them. You know what does matter? Getting off your feet. You know what does matter? Spending time together off the field. So uh, a lot of what I was doing was, you know, if you haven't won in the NFL, you don't know what matters and what doesn't. And my whole thing was it doesn't matter what people say. It doesn't matter who's on, along for the ride. All that matters is you're with this team right now focused on winning. And there were some great conversations we had about life and football that really helped some of the guys that were there. And, and, and it made me so grateful to be a part of the Steelers franchise. Wow. What, um, what kind of similarities, if any, did you kind of see between the way Roethlisberger, or if there was or if there weren't, between the way you know Roethlisberger approaches being a quarterback in the NFL to Peyton Manning, they both they both have an unyielding belief in winning. 
they will not lose. There's not the greats do not ever think about losing. It doesn't cross their mind. Um, and also just the physical talent and, and knowledge of, of where the defense is going to be was, was just phenomenal. I mean, changing plays and, and really being at the line of scrimmage with quarterbacks. You know, I played with Tim Tebow and, and Jay Cutler, who's still one of my favorite quarterbacks, and, and others who didn't have that freedom to change the play. And it just ha- it handcuffed you at the line of scrimmage while a guy like D.C. is breathing down your neck. And, oh, by the way, they didn't change the snap count. How long did that have to take for you to figure out, D.C.? Second quarter? You know what I'm saying? So – you had different Absolutely. snap counts, you know, and, and things like that. But both of them, their unyielding belief in winning was a common thread there. I had this uh, ridiculous theory one day, and, and Daryl straightened me out. But I, I tried to make the argument that <laughs> <laughs> Daryl knows what I'm talking about, that that Big Ben was like the seventh best quarterback of all time, statistically, or some some craziness. But but basically, my my what it came down to, my theory was that the guy's a leader on the field. He always extends the play, and the thing that makes the big difference about him is is like the fourth quarter comebacks and just the winning, just the winning. You know, I, I'm more yes. about the the winning. How do you win? And you know, you just mentioned Tim Tebow. I, I say this again. You know, you look back at the history books. So you were there when you know Tim Tebow ripped the heart out of Steeler Nation on that you know that play. And what did they do? They got the the Steelers got cocky. They put 11 men in the box. Palomalu's up there. And then they never in a million years thought Tim Tebow would complete one pass. That's all it took. It was one pass. And, the, and then the season was over. So, you know, there's all – there's room, I guess what I'm trying – the point I'm trying to make here is there's, there's room for winning is the key thing. Whether you're Peyton Manning and you're this elite, you know, fountain of knowledge or Ben, who's always extending the play and has all these other the flexibilities and stuff, or Tebow, who just found a way to win that one time. Um, it's that's the results driven business in the NFL, like Daryl always says. Well, and what you're really talking about is finishing, and out in and outside of football, 98 percent of people are unwilling to finish their work. They want to start a business and get it sold. They want to get a good job and and then not have to work hard. So finishing is what you're talking about. You know, Tim Tebow finished, and he finished in workouts, and he finished in games. And if you're going to play Ben Roethlisberger, like we did the Super Bowl 50 season twice, and the first time I believe we were up 27-3 to at half. And we went into halftime thinking, dog, who is he pulling out? We got to save some bodies. Here we go. And we lost the game because we were distracted and we thought it was over and we were playing a champion who knows how to finish. And that taught us a powerful lesson that day. So the, the, what you're talking about is finishing and what you'll realize if you're successful, so many people are unwilling to finish and that's not your problem. That's theirs. Great, great words to live by. I mean, you know, you, you, yeah, I mean, there's, there's nothing else to be said there. I mean, you, you hear, hear from the mouth of a champion, you know, himself, uh, you know, this has been a has been an awesome conversation, and um, you know, again, we're all kind of in this. I mean, the elephant in the room, right? This weird time that we're in. You know, this this whole yeah. uh, coronavirus thing, and and Daryl and I have. It's funny looking back through our text because we've run the run the whole thing from like, oh come on, come on, this is crazy, to like, whoa, you know, like now. Now things are people we know are getting sick and things are shutting down and um, we all find ourselves in this kind of shared 
journey. You know, Daryl and I talk about the cosmic canoe all the time on the show. And, and nice. there, there's, we're all in it now, you know, yeah. and, and I, you know, from someone who's kind of persevered, uh, through adversity, obviously the NFL, if you're in the NFL, it goes without saying you're getting injured, you're getting hurt. Um, there's no free lunch, uh, when it comes to, to spending nine years in the, in the league. Um, looking back on kind of the adversity you've, you've been through as an athlete, what kind of advice or just kind of message of uh you know positivity or hope you might have for for our listeners kind of here in this in this time of uh distress as we wind down yeah i mean i think it's important you know part of the concepts for me building your mindset are the words i am i can i will and and be honest with what you're feeling you know i am scared or i i am a provider for my family and, and i am someone who has three kids I am also able to, you know, reach out to a neighbor. I can make sure that those loved ones around me are supported and, and those in my community uh, have my number and I will help as much as I can. But you also have to understand you're going to live beyond. And so right now, what what do you want beyond coronavirus to look like? And it's not just coronavirus, right? What do you want beyond high school to look like? What do you want beyond college to look like? What do you want beyond your career to look like? And focus on that right now. One of the things I want to learn Chinese this season because I want to pu- I want to push myself. So ni hao, uh, you know, saying ni hao, uh, you know, my name is Ryan Harris. Yo, shut Ryan Harris. You know, what I'm saying well, shut Ryan Harris. You know, do you <laughs> want some fried rice? You know, ni ni hao, uh, chow fun. You know, what I'm saying so. I'm trying to learn and push myself because that's beyond Corona. I want to learn how to speak Chinese. I want to be an impactful person and be able to relate to more people. So my point is, what do you want to do beyond? corona beyond like you have every obstacle in your life and that's what you work for that's what you work towards and that's what you use your extra time to build whether that's a business or a relationship or a home project just create your beyond right now damn i uh that's perfect man that's that's excellent pretty much a mic drop right there that's a mic (laughs) dropper um, I'm going to go ahead and live by those, those words myself, my friend, um, Ryan, where can people keep up with you on social media or with any of your, your, your speaking engagements, or if anybody's looking to kind of maybe shore up on some of their skills, where can people find you and your information, Ryan? Yeah. Check out Ryan Harris, 68.com. Uh, I'm on Instagram at Ryan Harris underscore 68 and, uh, on Twitter at salams underscore from underscore 68 piece from 68 or just search Ryan Harris and, uh, and wherever DC is, I'll be, I'll be as close behind as I can be. So if you can, if you can stay with DC, you'll be, I'll be around somewhere. That's great. Ryan, it's been an absolute <laughs> pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us Thanks, brother. and, uh, stay safe, stay healthy. And we'll see you soon, my brother. Thanks, Justin. Thanks, DC. Talk to you guys soon. Thanks, brother.